In Matthew's gospel, mountaintops are the thin spaces between heaven and earth. And so Matthew's gospel begins on a mountaintop where Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, the mountain, where Jesus blesses and instructs his followers on how to be the light of the world. Matthew's gospel will end on a mountaintop, and there Jesus, after his death and resurrection, has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and tells his doubting disciples, Go ye therefore into all the nations, making disciples. But there is a mountain in the middle of Matthew's gospel, and that is where we are today. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Why then did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he replied, Elijah is indeed coming and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him. But they did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man is about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them about John the Baptist. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Get up and do not be afraid. Get up and do not be afraid. The ability to follow those words depends on the context of those words. For example, this past week I was on a mountaintop with Cullen Douglas. Same mountain, but uh, I wasn't really with him. You see, I was skiing, not with him, because... Cullen has a way of leading his followers into the valley of the shadow of death. (laughs) Trust me, he says, I won't, I say. Every year when uh, someone goes skiing with Cullen, someone uh, always gets injured, and Cullen laughs it off by saying, hey, one more trip to the ER and I get a free bean burrito. Cullen has a weird sense of humor. Come on, he says, get up, don't be afraid. Where's your faith? In God, Cullen, in God, I say. I know, I know, the Bible says a thousand times over, do not be afraid. But there is also a verse or two in Proverbs that says, don't be stupid. After all, God gave us fear so that we won't be stupid. 
Fear is what keeps my skiing from going viral on the internet and keeps you from having to answer the question, so is that your pastor hitting a tree with his face? Yes. Uh, Fear is God's gift. Fear makes you take cover in a safe place. Instead of live streaming the tornado from your back deck, seeing it hit your neighbor's house, and then seeing it hit your neighbor's shed, and then seeing it hit your neighbor's swing set, seeing it hit the shared fence, seeing it hit your shed, seeing it hit your sandbox, seeing it, and that's where the video stops. But you know, it got a thousand likes on Facebook. I know, I know, do not fear is the most repeated phrase in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Please do not forget that God created fear. God uses fear. God uses fear as a great motivator. You remember, God commanded Adam and Eve, you may eat from any tree in the garden, but do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat, for you shall surely die. That's fear. God uses fear as a great motivator to keep you on the straight and narrow. Jesus closes his Sermon on the Mount with a little fear. Those who hear my words and do not act upon them will be like the man who built his house upon the sand, and the wind blew and the waves crashed, and great was the fall. Fear. And the rich man cried out from hell, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to warn my brothers so that they won't enter into this turmoil. And Father Abraham said, Hey, they have Moses and the prophets. They need to listen to them. Fear is a great motivator, God knows. So if you want to say that line, you do know that the Bible says, Do not be afraid. Can I ask you to say it? Uh, Not right before you go down the double black diamond or when you go out on thin ice or when science says otherwise. Say it when God is giving you a call to be about God's work. That's when you say it. Context makes all the difference. Do not be afraid to stand up for the least of these. Do not be afraid to show a little mercy. Do not be afraid to welcome the stranger. Do not be afraid to empty your pockets for those in need. Do not be afraid to be the church in the storm. When you're on the mountaintop, the voice of God will rattle the heavens and the earth. This is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Get up and do not be afraid. For yes, this time you are on a triple black diamond, and you are going to go down that mountain and onto the road that leads to Jerusalem and the cross. Listen to him. Listen to him. Get up and do not be afraid. That is what we are called to do. To never, never be afraid of the good news.
I was thinking about Nedson Zulu this past week. Nedson, he was our missionary in Mozambique in the Tet province. And I keep a photograph of Nedson near my computer because he is a man for me who is never afraid. The face of the gospel for me. Bold. I hear in Nedson, do not be afraid. And I remember the story, and you may remember the story, of the Americans who went with him into the Tet province, and someone in the group took out their camera and shot a picture, a photograph of the security guard, the policeman. Don't do that. Don't ever shoot a picture of a policeman. In the... Put that in your fear file. Don't do that. Well, the policeman got very angry, snatched the camera away, and I would have said, there goes a camera, lesson learned. No, that's not the end of the story. Nedson went over to the police officer, spoke to the police officer, and a few, few minutes later, came back with a camera. I don't know how much the camera cost, maybe $700. He saved a camera. Whew, good news. The camera was saved. And while saving the camera is a nice story, that's not the story. What the story is about is that on Sunday morning, there in the congregation in the middle of Africa, a new person, a new face, that of the police officer. It's not about saving cameras. It's never about saving cameras. It's about saving souls. Jesus touched him. Get up and do not be afraid. Why are you so angry, my friend? Why are you so angry, my friend, when God is doing something good? <laughs> oh, you don't know what God is doing? Come, my friend. You need to let go of the things that are killing you. You need to let go of the bitterness. Come, my friend, you need to see all that is good. Nedson touched his life with light and power. Get up and do not be afraid. You get the picture. Here's the picture. If you're 60 years old, it may be wise not to go down a black diamond in Colorado. But if you're 60 years old, or if you're 6 years old, or if you're 600 years old and Jesus touches you, you need to get up and do not be afraid to go down that mountain, moving ever closer to the cross. What do you need, my friend? Do you know what God is doing, my friend? Let me help you. And do not be afraid.